This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. I've been saying to people for years that if you uh, if you want to find the best actors in the world, don't go to Hollywood. Uh, every year they hand out the Academy Awards for the best actors in the world. And they always do it in Hollywood for some reason. And that's not where you find the best actors in the world. If you want to find the best actors in the world, you have to go to church. Because we know how to act. We've got it down. We've, we know how, the right things to say at the right times. And um, have you ever been just going through like a terrible time in your life? Just, it's just like rubbish. All this kind of stuff you're going through and life's hard and life's difficult and you're, you're not even sure if God's real. It's one of those kind of seasons. And you're just barely hanging on by your fingertips and you come to church and you walk in and someone says, how are you, Brother Fred? Well, praise the Lord, Brother Jim. I'm all right, hallelujah. Got the victory. I got the victory too. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. We're both great, aren't we? And you see, we're, we find it is so easy to act with each other and so hard to be honest. We find it hard to be honest and say, do you know what? Sometimes I just want to hide my light under a bushel. Sometimes I, I'm scared to speak up. Sometimes I, I got a heart to reach the lost, but I, I don't have a confidence in the gospel. And so all I want to talk about for a few minutes tonight is just having a fresh confidence in the gospel. Is that okay? And, uh, and hopefully we can figure it out together because I'm not there yet. I mean, I, I became a Christian when I was 11. I'm now 46. I know it's hard to tell ages when people are bald, so I'll help you out. Uh, I'm 46. And I wish I could tell you that I've arrived I figured it all out. I've now reached the A1 echelon of Christendom, or I never have any doubts. And I, I, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't get out of bed in the morning. I float out of bed on the Shekinah glory cloud, you know, uh, singing shine, Jesus shine as I brush my teeth in, in the morning. And, you know, I just, you know, doubts just fall away. I just, you know, I wish that was true, but it's just not true. My experience perhaps is a bit like Paul's in Philippians 3, where he says this from verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm just like, Paul, isn't that encouraging? Uh, this is Paul. This is the guy who, is, who writes half of the New Testament. And while he's writing some of the New Testament, he says, I've not got there yet. I'm still pressing forward. 
I'm still letting the past go and, and, and leaning into the future. And I hope that's what you're doing in your life as well. Uh, I love the power of the gospel to change people's lives. At our church, uh, TFW, Titherington Family Worship, um, it's just so wonderful to see the transformation in people's lives. I think it's one of the things that as a pastor just thrills me more than anything is to, you see someone come in, they, maybe a friend brings them to church and, um, and you see them week one and, and their countenance is in a certain way, you know, maybe they're, they're, they're fearful or anxious or just angry or depressed. And as they, as they come into that atmosphere and they experience the love of the church and they sit under the word of God, you start to see transformation. And I love it when that week finally comes, and I'm sure it happens all the time here too, where, where you know, they've been coming for three or four weeks and then they, they respond to the gospel and they open up their hearts to Christ. I just love it. I love it. There's this one girl at the moment, she's 18 years old and, uh, she started coming to our church about five weeks ago and um, she came to the, we have two morning services. She came to the nine o'clock, the first service and uh, full of anxiety, just crippled by anxiety, 18 years of age and uh, cried her way through week one uh, service, cried her, her way through week two, cried her way through week three, uh, managed to hold it together at week four, uh, gave her life to Christ at week five and uh, she's probably been coming for about eight weeks now. And I can see her countenance has changed. She looks different. She's got a smile on her face. I mean, everything's changing. And I just love that. I love the power of the gospel uh, to transform us and to transform the world around us. I got three quick things I just want to share with you tonight about having a fresh confidence in the gospel. And the first one I wanna say is this, is that I think we need to see with new eyes. We need to see with new eyes. We already talked about it at the, uh, earlier on tonight. When you see your community, when you see Moira, what is it you see? Because the way you see your town will determine uh, your faith level for God to move in the power of the gospel in your town. Uh, what, when you go to work, how do you see your colleagues? Maybe some of you, you that are younger, when you're at college or school, how do you see your friends? The way that we see is really important. You remember um, God brought the children of Israel out of captivity They'd been captives in Egypt for so long, 400 years. And uh, God miraculously delivered them out of Egypt. And his, his goal was to bring them through the, the, the wilderness and into the promised land. And you remember that when they got to the, the border of the promised land, Moses uh, sent spies to go into the promised land, spy it out. And in Deuteronomy 1 verse 8, God had already said to them, I've given you this land. I've given it to you. And he uses the word in that verse, see. He says, see, I have given you this land. And so the spies go in to see what God's given them, but they see in the wrong way. All they see are the problems. 
that all they see are, there's giants in the land and the, the cities are fortified and this is really hard. This is really, this is really difficult. This is, this is too hard for us. We, we are, what did, what did they say when they came back? They said, um, uh, we were grasshoppers in our own sight and so were we in, in their sight. In other words, we were small in our own eyes and so were we in the eyes of the giants. We were nothing. So what they, they, they saw completely opposite than God. God said, see, I've given you this land. I see you as my people going in and taking the land. The way they saw themselves was the land's really, really hard and we're really, really small and we can't do it. How do you see yourself Monday morning? Not how do you see yourself Sunday morning? Because, man, church is, church, the easiest place in the world to be a Christian is church Sunday morning, isn't it? Because we're all together, we love each other. The band get up and they lead us and, and our faith rises and Pastor David comes, opens the word and we, we go, wow, we feel fed, we feel encouraged. This is the easy place to be a Christian. How do you see yourself Monday morning? The way you see yourself, the way you see the world around you will determine whether you have a confidence in the gospel or not. I love Caleb. I love Joshua and I love Caleb. You remember Joshua and Caleb, they came back and they said, we should go up immediately. We could do this. We've got this. God's with us. Come on, let's go. And they gave a, they gave a great report. But the other spies said, no, 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 we, we can't do this. And, and, and uh, the people believed the negative report. And a whole generation that should have entered the promised land perished in the wilderness. Not because it was God's will. It wasn't like God said, oh, well, it's my will that you perish in the wilderness. It was his will that they had so much more. But they just, as it were, chose the wilderness because they were seeing in the wrong way. It's a, it's a humbling thing, isn't it, to think about the things we might have missed in our own lives that God wanted us to lay hold of, that God wanted us to go in and possess. I look at my life and I go, oh Lord, I wonder what I've missed at this point in my life that you want me to actually possess. Help me to see in a different way. So that's the first thing. See with, see with new eyes. Secondly, if we're gonna have fresh confidence in the gospel, it requires a kind of wholehearted uh, devotion, a wholehearted devotion. Um, you'll remember that the, the, the children of Israel, that generation, they, they died out, in the, they perished in the wilderness. They never uh, pressed into everything that God had for them. And so the next generation comes through and, um, and uh, God brings the next generation through and you, know, remember, you remember Moses dies, Joshua is raised up and they, they cross over the Jordan and when they get into the promised land, Joshua gathers them together and he says, come on, let's recommit ourselves now to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. Let's be all in kind of people. 
Let's, let's have a confidence in who our God is. Let's not, let's not mix our faith in him with, with the gods of the, of, of the nations around us. Let's not kind of have one foot in each camp. Let's get rid of the other gods. Let's get rid of the false idols. Let's really serve the Lord. And let me just read a few verses from Joshua chapter 24. And this is what he says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day who you will serve whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And here's this wonderful verse. Some of you might have it hanging in your home. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what we need again in our, in our day. We're living in a time where the world is shaking. Everything's shaking. Values are changing around us. And we have to be people who say, I, I don't know what you're doing in your house. I don't know who, who you're choosing to serve in your house. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. That's what our lives are about. Our life is about serving Jesus. We have a confidence in the gospel. We want to see his kingdom come and his will be done in our lives and through our lives. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord for he is our God. I love here that the children of Israel are remembering what God has done. Remember how God brought us this far. Remember what he did for our ancestors, how he, he brought them out of Egypt. He took them through the wilderness. He, he cared for them even when they got it wrong. He still looked after them, still provided manna every day. Uh, remember the miracles he's performed that have brought us this far. Uh, now, come on, we're going to have confidence. One of the ways I think we have confidence in the gospel and confidence in God in our lives is to remember what he's done so far. One of the things I do is I journal. If you, if you don't journal, I would really encourage you to buy a journal and write down some of the stories that have happened in your life, some of the, the answers to prayer, some of the miracles that you've seen, some of the breakthroughs you've seen. I'm sure some of you got lots of stories to tell. Because isn't it true that we forget what God's done for us when we're facing the next giant, when we're facing the next obstacle? Uh, Wouldn't you ever think that if, you, like if you'd seen a miracle, you would never doubt God again? Like if I just saw a real miracle, I'd never doubt God again. Don't be so sure. The children of Israel saw incredible miracles. I mean, they saw the waters part and they walked through on dry ground. That's a fairly uh, full-on miracle, can we agree? 
I mean, they experienced that. And wouldn't you think if, I, if I'd been part of that, I would never doubt God ever again. And yet they'd experienced that. They experienced supernatural manna from heaven, food from heaven every day. And yet they still said to Moses, you've brought us out here to die. We're better off in Egypt. Wow. We need to remember if we're gonna have confidence, if we're gonna get out of bed tomorrow morning and walk into our world with great confidence in the gospel, we need to remember how God has brought us this far. If you, um, if you come to my house in, uh, in England to visit, don't all come at once, like, you know, arrange uh, in an orderly fashion. If you come uh, to my house uh, and you go in, so I've got a room which is like my studio room, uh, my sort of, it's like my man cave. I love it in there. It's brilliant. It's the best part of the best place in the world. And um, on the wall, if you came in, you, you would see a little picture. It's just a postcard in a frame of a skyscraper, not a particularly good looking skyscraper either. It's, uh, it's the Wrigley building in Chicago. And it might not mean anything to you, but it means a great deal to me because 20 years ago, when I got married, I married a, a beautiful American uh, girl, and we got married in America. And uh, after we got married, we had to fly to Chicago to get a visa for her to come and live uh, in England. And so we had to go to the Wrigley Building to go to the British consulate and apply for this visa. So I got all my paperwork together like I'd been told to, and we show up at the uh, Wrigley building. We're gonna fly home the next day. We just need the stamp, we just need the visa. And um, we sat down with this, this lady who was kind of interviewing us, and she looked at my paperwork and she said, job, job title, traveling evangelist. That's not a good start. If you want a visa, traveling evangelist isn't going to get you very far. Not many brownie points. And then uh, she looked at my bank statements and, and income. And if you're a traveling evangelist, you know, bank statements and income don't really work that well either. It's, it's manna from heaven, you know. And so she looked at that and she sort of said, uh, well, this isn't looking very good, is it? You know, and, and, and after about 10, 15 minutes, she said, no, I'm not going to give you this visa. And we were, we were shocked. We just got married. We're, we're flying home tomorrow. And, uh, and we said, but we're, we're flying home tomorrow. She says, no, you're not. Well, well, you are, but your wife's not. She's not got a visa. Not from me. You ever had one of those moments where you're, everything just feels like it's crumbling? You don't know, your faith just so, suddenly disappears. Your knees knock. You don't know, what am I, what am I gonna do now moments? And I, I said to the lady, uh, do we have any right to appeal against your decision? I mean, you've just made this, this, felt like she just pulled the decision out of the air. And she said, well, you do, I don't know, it's probably changed now, but in those days she said, yeah, you do have a right to appeal. You can appeal to the, to the British consulate. Uh, he's in, he, uh, somebody, James somebody, he's in his office at the moment. It was 10 to 12, 10 to midday. He'll be there until midday. I can put your appeal on his desk if you want me to. Uh, whether he gets around to looking at it is, is up to him. Uh, and I'll be recommending that he, that he does not um, grant this application. And she disappeared out of the door. Do you ever pray those H-E-L-P uh, prayers? Help prayers? Tonight and I just took, held each other's hands and started to pray. Just started to pray. Lord, we need you. We need you to, we need, we need you to part the seas. We need, to, 
We need some manna from heaven. We need a God thing to happen. It got to 12 o'clock and we we're still in this room on our own. It got to five past 12. It got to 10 past 12. About quarter past 12, this woman finally came back in and she looked visibly shocked. And she says, I have no idea why, but for some reason he's granted your visa. Here's your visa. And so we went out and we went and got a cup of coffee. And we in a little coffee shop in Chicago on a little side street. There, was, there were pictures of postcards. And I found this picture of the Wrigley Building, that building we'd just been in. And I put it in a frame and it's on the wall of my studio. Because there are days where the answer seems to be no. And I look at that and I say, yeah, but you're the God who can turn that around. You're the God who can turn a no into a yes. You're the God who can make a way where there seems to be no way. We need to remind ourselves of who our God is if we're gonna have confidence in the gospel so that we can have wholehearted devotion to him. That's what Joshua is calling the people to. Don't just stick your toe in the water. Be wholeheartedly devoted. But here's, let me just share this verse with you. And I know time's going on, so I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be respectful. I'm not gonna go on a long time, but... Um, this is a really interesting verse. So Joshua has just stood up as a leader and said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people have said, great, we're with you. We're gonna, we're gonna serve the Lord too. And then Joshua says this in verse 19. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods then he'll turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. Do you ever, when you're studying the Bible, you, you're, you're reading through a passage and then you hit a verse or two that they, they stun you. Because you see, Joshua clearly has not read any leadership books, has he? I mean, he's not been on any leadership conferences. He's got it completely wrong. You know, when you stand up and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And the people go, yes, us too. You're supposed to say, great, here's where you sign up. What is Joshua doing? You're not able to serve the Lord. Here's what I, I think Joshua's doing. This is Joshua's moment where he looks at the people. And he goes, are you really sure? Because... It's a bit like this. If, 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 uh, what's your name, bro? Michael. If Michael and I are having a cup of hot chocolate and we're talking away and we get a bit excited and we say, hey, hey, do you like the mountains, Michael? And he says, yeah, I like, I like the mountains. Hey, we should climb Mount Everest. That'd be amazing. Can you imagine what everyone will say when we climb Mount Everest? And we'll be able to go to, we'll get like the suits and the boots and the hats and we'll be up there, we'll be up Mount Everest. It's gonna be amazing. It's just gonna be so cool. And we need Pastor David to come and go, what are you idiots talking about? Are you sure? Because climbing Mount Everest is not just a feel good moment. Are you sure you know what you're letting yourself in for? Because there's no good getting excited and having some sort of emotional response. Oh yeah, man, we're, we're gonna go for it. You could, this, this, you, this, this could cost you your life. Are you really sure you're, you're up for this? That's what Joshua's doing here. He said, that's for me and my house. We're gonna serve the Lord no matter what. We're gonna serve the Lord if it costs us our life. Or serve the Lord 
And when the people say, yeah, we're going to serve the Lord too. He goes, you sure? Because if you say you're going to serve the Lord and then you go running after false gods and false idols, God's not going to turn a blind eye to that. He's not going to say, oh, never mind. They're trying their best. He actually says here, God's not going to forgive that. If you go after false idols, you're going to feel the, the judgment of that. It's serious, isn't it? And uh, I wonder, I, I've spent my life traveling around churches. I love the church. I love the church. And I've been in so many churches, so many conferences, so many youth events where the music has been just right and the, and, and, and the feeling and the emotion is just right. And people have come and stood at the altar and said, yes, Lord, I'm gonna live for you. I'm gonna serve you. And, and, and I thought, wow, this is something like revival. But actually, I think sometimes it's just an emotional response. Because those same people go, yeah, Lord, I'm all in. Monday morning, they wake up and they forget what they prayed the night before. I think what God's looking for, what Joshua's looking for, the people here is not just something that feels good, but something that's way deeper than that. Wholehearted devotion. It's for me and my house. We're gonna serve the Lord on good days and bad days, when the sun's shining and when it's raining. When the washing machine breaks down, we're not gonna go, oh, why do I have to suffer this persecution? Where's the Lord today? Oh, Lord. We want to be people that are so devoted to the Lord that we say, Lord, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And I believe it. Final thing. Final thing. Is that the gospel can only transform the world around us as it transforms us. Here's my dream for my church back at home in Macclesfield. My dream is that we'll be a community of, of believers who from glory to glory are being changed. Day by day, we're being transformed by this gospel message so that we can be a, a, a church family that God uses to spread the good news of the gospel everywhere else. I remember talking to a guy once and I'd only been at our church uh, for a few months as this new pastor. And I said to the church, I wanna do a four week series on the gospel. And he said, oh, four weeks on the gospel. He said, like, can't you just do like one week on the gospel and then get into some real deep teaching? I said, man, you think there's something deeper than the gospel? That's shocking to me. Most of us don't really know the gospel or most of us get the gospel back to front and upside down, and which is why our lives never really get transformed. Here's, here's the version of the gospel that so many Christians live by. Something like this. Um, Jesus died for me. I believe it and I accept what he's done for me. And I give my, my life to Christ. And then 
I have to try really, 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 really hard to change. I have to try really, really hard to be a better person, to create a righteous record that I can hand to God. And if that's your version of the gospel, and you might say you don't believe that, but that's how so many Christians try to live. And if that's your version of the gospel, you'll never change. Sorry to disappoint you. You cannot change that way. See, the gospel is not that. The gospel is this. Christ died for me. I believe it. I receive what he's done. And then I surrender to that finished work in my life, in the depth of my being. I surrender to the truth, the transformative power of the gospel. And he hands me his righteous record. He aced the test and I get the qualification. And my job is to start to believe that right down at the bottom of my boots, to believe that I've become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and let the implications of that work their way out into every area of my life. Trying harder to change, trying harder to be transformed will not work for you. Uh, Tim Keller writes it this way. He says it so much more eloquently than me. Some of you will know his writing, Tim Keller. He says this, you'll never change your heart by just listening to scriptural principles, going home and trying to apply them to your life. All the change your heart needs All the change your life needs is through praying, worshiping, rejoicing in what Jesus Christ has done for you, and then thinking through the implications of the gospel broadly into every area of your life and profoundly into the depths of your being. Oh, wow. That's where transformation occurs. Martin Luther said it this way. He said, the truth of the gospel is the principal article of all Christian doctrine. Most necessary is it that we know this article well, teach it to others and beat it into their heads continually. Don't you love that? You see, the truth is every day I need to beat the gospel into my head. Let me tell you one final story and and we'll be done because I know you've listened really well. And uh, I, I really appreciate that. Um, my uncle, uh, he's retired now. He was a Methodist minister. And you'll know the Methodist church. Um, Methodist church, Methodism was founded by John and Charles Wesley. But um, before the Methodist church was founded, John and Charles Wesley and a group of the, those guys, when they were at university, they they were religious people, but they hadn't been transformed by the gospel. And so they were quite legalistic. And the thing about legalistic Christianity is it'll make you very judgmental because it, it's all rules-based. Are you keeping all the rules? And so apparently they weren't very pleasant, but they, one by one, they started to get a breakthrough in the understanding that it's the gospel that transforms us, not the list of rules. And um, one of their group was called William Holland. And William Holland said this. He said, Mr. Charles Wesley, 
was reading the preface of Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians aloud. And when I heard these words, and he, he quotes Luther, what have we then nothing to do? No, nothing, but only accept Christ who of God is made to us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. At those words, there came a power over me as I cannot well describe. My great burden fell off in an instant. My heart was so filled with peace and love, I burst into tears. My companions, perceiving me to be so affected, fell on their knees and prayed for me. When afterwards I went into the street, I could scarcely feel the ground I trod upon. That's the power of the gospel. Later, after that night, Charles Wesley would pen these words. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, followed thee. That's the transformative power of the gospel. I have a question for you tonight. Have your chains fallen off? Is your heart free? We're going to pray. And um, my prayer is that your church, this church, this church family, would just continue to be blessed and reach out to the your community, the places you work, the streets you live on, rescue all the dirt you can find and tell them how beautiful they are and how loved they are. But it's only gonna happen when you are convinced of the gospel in you. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you so much for the ladies and gentlemen in this church. Thank you so much for the boys and girls. Thank you for the witness of this church community that has been here all these years, shining the light into Moira and into the surrounding area. I thank you for the gospel that's proclaimed from this place week after week after week. We praise you, Father God, for all the seeds of the gospel that have been sown in hearts and lives over the years. And I just simply pray right now in this moment of prayer that we would be people who have a fresh confidence in the power of the gospel to transform not only our lives, but to transform our, our world. Lord, I pray for anyone in this place who maybe feels they've been hiding their light under a bushel a little bit. They've been not shining as brightly for you as they would want to. Lord, even tonight, I pray that their chains would fall off, their heart would be free. They'd have a fresh confidence in the light and truth of the gospel. Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight who's been trying really hard to be better, trying to be a good Christian and tired of failing. I pray that it won't be their effort 
that transforms them, but it will be that fresh, quickened awareness of the gospel of Jesus working its way into every part of their lives. And as they rejoice in your finished work, I pray their testimony too would be, my chains fell off. That attitude, it fell off. That old habit that I couldn't deal with, it fell off. That worry, that burden, that anxiety, it fell off and my heart was free. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.